My name is Peter Rose, and I'm the editor of Australian Book Review. States of Poetry is a national project funded by Copyright Agency's Cultural Fund. These are the first federally arranged poetry anthologies published in this country. Each state selection has been edited by a senior poet who has chosen six local poets. The state anthologies appear on our website with introductions from the state editors and other materials. We've invited the individual poets to introduce and read one of their poems. So welcome to States of Poetry. Hello, this is Nathan Shepherdson, perhaps strangely interviewing himself about his own poem, The Black Hand of Badir Elmi. Um, the poem comes from a trip I took to Italy with a friend of mine, Simone Jelly, back in 2013. Um, Simone still has a house there. Um, the original building dates from 1034, started life as a Byzantine chapel. And, of course, with such an expansive time, has been modified, added on, split up um, to be what it is today. Um, but still maintains a, a lot of its history and contains two chapels, uh, the older one and uh, a, more, a more recent one. Um, but the image's black hand comes from... Um, in, in the basement, there's a, a doorway leading onto a stairwell that goes nowhere. Um, and But on, on the wall is a... A, a handprint, a black handprint, and um, people are not quite sure of the origin of this handprint. So that was really just the the basis of um, what I imagined. Um, it's in a sense the Badir Elmi is a is a small a small village, I suppose, um, which is near, the closest town nearby is Chitaldo, which is the um, which was where Boccaccio lived out his last years. Um, Badia Elmi itself is is right on the outskirts of San Gimignano. Um, in approaching a work like that, I really uh, improvise a lot, but uh, have a few anchor points, like the um, the River Elsa, which is mentioned in Dante, is just nearby. Um, there's a Boccaccio reference, of course, and also um, Simone's brother, um, Billy Jelly, or Gabriel was his birth name. Um, he died quite young, but and uh, had occupied this house his whole life. So, in in a sense, the poem is um, uh, a type of elegy for Billy, but incorporating, you know, just the, the vestiges of everything. That, that was around me while I was there, um, so I won't too, won't say too much more about it. But um, so really, it's it's about you know much about, as much about what it isn't as much about what it is. So I guess the historical points are interesting, but um, obviously the hopefully the words get beyond that. The black hand of Badia Elmi. I reverse history to put out the sun, spin the earth in its opposite direction. Nurse words like tired babies until they explode, 
You're in the hunt for the animals in your room. In the morning you find them grazing on your chest. Don't worry if the teeth are not yours. White is their permission to lower these anonymous jaws over your head. I turn my head, thumbs into crown, inside out, fingers under chin, a rubberized retreat of the biological object, making no difference to its appearance either way. What is one to the other is the other to the one. What is one to the other is the other to the one. Salt and pepper skulls slide outward to bobble on shoulders left and right before glancing at each other to slide inward and kiss like two eastern block leaders in a newsreel. At this time of the year, my breath is held for a week to allow me to interpret silence as I organise the carnival of empty streets so I can draw the route for truant shadows while they hold their parade for the benefit of closed doors. The loose skin of your brother follows behind. His husky voice in duet with a scrape of leaves, wind dancing on stone as the grey choir feeds his tongue into the ground. One day we will notice his face on a hand-coloured chart used to identify edible fungi, and when the barometer puffs its cheeks and rain is ladled in correct portions, temperature will copulate with tremored light as his scalp emerges in the undergrowth, earth smell in a spore's thought, waiting for the stem to feel its cut from memory. These shapes that we pull from our mouths, that we fail to recognise, are words. Even a chestnut recognises an ember in its own shape, polished brown to pupil black, a small brain unshelled, cooking in promises of saliva. Too poor to put our heads in the fire, we become rich by mining the smoke with a sigh undressing the arrows before they go through the heart, offering ourselves the deeds to untitled happiness, a fool's language in a bird's voice. We count life into its alphabet of coughs, the rooster's claw on the hen's throat, although she has already won his attention. It is said that her son exhaled helium into the abbey, so as to lift it from the hill, while gravity occasioned sleep, the pilgrims floated inside and wore the lunette arches as sandstone helmets to dissolve their sin, which flowed like greyest blood from their baffled eyes and ears, yet had the smell of burning pine. This is Our Lady of the Helmets. The structure of her lips tells me her hands are made of ice, Snow always falling from her palms unless she clamps them together in prayer. She is winter and summer, ankle deep in a slurry of zeros from all parts of his kingdom, 
The story says that she once threw her breasts into the river, which froze before the traveller's eyes, yet her breasts grew back into their place over one night, so she could bless her milk into the sudden hunger of every infant mouth, without the milk becoming rancid. This is Our Lady of the Snow. Her sister is the same person as her sister. Her person is the same sister as her person. Her sister is the same person as her sister. Her person is the same sister as her. A fresh clementine unpeeled in her mouth in order to discover the tree is still attached. In the crypt, three perfect squares on which to play hopscotch with God. The photo from the top step of the house plants three mulberry trees and two parallel shadows leaning towards our existence, steadfast inside their one-note waltz, believed into a different winter that always pronounces dead but can never kill the triangle. And to pretend more words under the name of my brother. You might say to these mulberry trees, Be ye plucked up by the root, and be ye planted in the sea, and they should obey you. They are strange timber joints, whose arthritic wrists can still bend the sky, thick-set forearms of botanical certitude that push through to weigh down their Tuscan crust. Their new pruning gives up sap-soaked canes to weave in situ wicker chairs for deceased family, because the triangle is quick to remind its fact that you are the last corner of your own square. Season on season the fruit arrives, a tricolour vexillum graded with sunlight, where each full-term pregnancy blister-ripe in temptation is requited on the tongue. Reduced to a diagram, trees one and three offer us vaginal trunks, and as old men in 2034, we will be invited to climb inside, to congeal with and to be renewed by the menses flowing after the millennial ovulation. This is where Pyramus, in love, sank so deep into Celadon clay, his body calcified by the seeping Elsa. In such momentous circumstance alone, where all the water runs backwards, worms of an uncultivated kind turned his silk garments to original matter, his brain wrapped in the spattered laundry of a lioness, mistakenly mashed in torment, was used as cold plaster to smear the crack in the wall that began his death. talking of words for which I have no speech. Fingers through the hair of intonation, tongues fall instead of vine leaves onto autumn ground. The false alarm in history is to know it exists. Rabbits dream their scale model of time in a warren. We are the same face eroded by the stone collar of our arms. Our skulls crafted into jugs with two spouts from the sockets to pour new wine. Our eyelashes, carefully picked, are added to the pot as black saffron. 
Our eyeballs line up under the forgiven oak of an olive press, still produce oil despite the lapse in centuries. On this day, it will be the onion that cuts your newborn eye in half in order to cry. The dot on its eye is the tear that separates its twin letter set in the mirror of its spelling. I did not change my mind and next day went to the wood to be killed. I killed a man and killed him to kill him once more. I killed a man and killed him to kill him once. Not as dead as death I am. Not as dead as death I am not dead. In one pocket, the marble finger of the famous author, as entire and sound as it ever was. In the second pocket, a lump of charcoal known for the miracle that it will always regenerate its original weight, even if worn down to fingernail levels in its use. The black hand remembers being drawn on the wall behind your head above the stairs that go nowhere. Its long fingers and indigenous greys making its descent to a rendered edge precisely one second before it let go. The left thumb purported to be an evolutionary difference was easily defeated by a flat surface was virtually removed by regressed alliteration. A mask crawled from grime gesso, a watermark trapped in a brick shroud, its chin rubbed mute by unclaimed luck. It smells us to where we are, cracking its cheek with an awkward stone stitch over its right eye, an in-scale scar traced over Via Francigena. There are no handles in heaven. We cannot be removed until we are here, behind this bolted door, followed by one drop of sweat draining into each other's pores. As we walk the black line in our approach to its mustard proportion, the lone sentinel pine raises its colossal eyebrow to implant us into our own sight. You point out the two bells where your parents have lived since their passing. The bells never ring because their bones are too soft, made soft by the liniments rubbed deep by your memoried action. The bells ring.